and welcome to this latest edition of the powder blue podcast still no baseball going on but we have plenty of baseball to talk about because you know what hunter brody baseball's been around a little while and while we can't really dwell on the present we can talk about some things that are uh issues in the past and might be issues again huh hunter yeah, absolutely. I I can't believe that this is real life. I was thinking about this today, actually. Bryce Harper should be out in right field with that beautiful lettuce just blowing <laughs> in the wind. And no, I don't get to see that. They should be undefeated at this point. I don't know if they would have lost a game. Yeah, the home opener should have been last Thursday. By the way, I don't know if you caught this. I, I saw it floating around the internet, but trumpet player named Darren Lynch, he went down to Citizens Bank Park and he played the national anthem at 3:05 p.m. right outside the ballpark. So, uh, so, so fans have baseball on the mind, and I'm glad that we are here to talk about it. So, on this week's Powder Blue podcast, so I'm Frank Close. We have Hunter Brody, and we do have a special guest to kind of uh, get us going in our conversation on this week's podcast, and that would be Sports Talk Philly historical columnist Matt Albertson. Matt, what's up? How are you guys doing? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming. And, you know, uh, speaking of coming, you have uh, something going on in a couple weeks, huh? Yeah, just uh, waiting for a firstborn to show up. No big deal there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we congratulate you in advance. And I'm I'm glad you got your spring training trip in before you got too close to to delivery time. And and certainly you're going to be delivering in very interesting circumstances. I think that's fair to say, right? It'll be unique, yes. So, well, we wish we wish you and your wife just the best. But uh, so let's talk a little baseball because, you know, you're not going to get to do that very soon. Changing a lot of diapers is and and, they, and early on, they come very, very frequently. So um, I know Hunter was just in diapers not that long ago, but uh, <laughs> but I'm old enough to have somebody who who does wear diapers currently. And it, it will get better if you can get through the first couple of years. You'll, you'll be all right. So now uh, one thing we wanted to open with this week is uh the National League has considered some changes in recent times uh, because baseball is let, let, let's face it. Baseball is looking at a complete overhaul. Is that fair to say, Hunter? Yeah, I would say so. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I know that there's a lot of baseball fans out there that want to stick with the old school baseball. And I totally do understand that because some of me leans that way in the in the heart. But I do understand that sports are supposed to kind of move along and they are supposed to develop so i kind of am interested to see what actually goes down so upcoming you know there's the thought that there will be 31 and 32 teams added to this game uh, which of course would reconfigure all the leagues you know there's talk of regional leagues and having four leagues and uh four divisions and two leagues but one of the common discussions that that seems to be forced into this a little bit is something that the Players Association kind of wanted maybe as early as this year, and that would be a designated hitter in the National League, too. So th- there's lots to talk about uh, regarding that, but, but why don't we start, Hunter, by giving me your thoughts on having a designated hitter in the National League now in today's baseball game. If you asked me one year ago, I think I would have said no way in hell. I would have been the standard. I love the greatness of watching the manager make a decision, and there's just so much more strategy involved. And I do still feel that way. 
But the more and more as time goes on, I just feel like it's right. I talked about how sports are supposed to develop. It's great to see Bartolo Colon hit a home run. It's nice to see Madison <laughs> Bumgarner swing the you know swing the bat and get some good. They hits. don't need a DH in Arizona if he's pitching. Yeah, exactly. It's fun to see that. But when you look at it, it. It does it make sense? Is it worth seeing Aaron Nola strike out three times a game? Does it make sense? Well, let's be fair. If Gabe Kapler was here, I don't know if he would even get three at bats because he would pull him with sixty-four pitches. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I think that probably weighs into this discussion a little bit, uh, just because how often are pitchers hitting these, these days? So now, you know, it looks like the 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 average good outing now is is six innings. You know, everybody thinks that's a tremendous outing to go six innings. And then the real question is, how many times have you actually batted if you are the pitcher? You know, you might get one to bat in. Uh, maybe maybe it's going to be your time the next time around, and you're out of the game. That usually is the way that they do it, or or now they use openers, and, and maybe uh, before the pitcher even gets to hit once, you know, they already have one of them out of the way. So So the game is changing dramatically, and... Matt, why don't we get your opinion first before we kind of break into some of the history behind the designated hitter and the talk in the National League. But are you a proponent of the designated hitter in the National League? Um, for years, I have not been a proponent of it because I wanted the uh, the old school way. You know, let's let's see the manager make a decision. Let's see how a pitching change can affect a game. And when you pull a, uh, say, a John Smoltz out of a game to get a run, in the world series. Um, it didn't work out. So stuff like that, you know, I want to see those kind of things, but, but now I'm, I'm being swayed a little bit more towards let's get the DH in the national league simply because more offense is more exciting. And that has been a discussion in major league baseball as of late, you know, the, the, a lot of talk that the younger fans aren't really that engaged and perhaps the, the re the more occurrences of home runs might make the difference or, or just offense, in general. Now, let me ask you this, though. Uh, and Hunter, did you play Little League Hunter? Oh, yeah. You kidding me? District champion. I'd, I'd catfish Hunter on all my jackets, even though I wasn't <laughs> even a pitcher. Now, here's the thing. Did the pitchers bat in those leagues? Yeah, and they were normally, in that time, your pitcher's your best player, and he pitches all the time. Then you got to wait, what, like four days if he throws 80 pitches, and then he's pitching the next he's day playing, again? He's playing first base in between, Yeah, right? exactly, and you got to strategically, maybe he throws 20 pitches in one game so he can pitch again the next because he's that dominant. So then, 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 then here's the question. Then what happens? When he goes to high school, what does he do? Does he pitch or does he hit? It depends. It's situational. I mean, if he's that great of a pitcher, he'll probably stick with pitching. But if he's better at, I mean, some of these guys are just athletes, so they can play anywhere. And it, I guess it's situational. But then the question is, so, so kind of, I know the answer to that. I'll, I'll cue you <laughs> You're in trying on that. To is, set me up here. Is a lot of a lot of times they go to high school. There's a designated hitter. Then right. of course they go to college. Is there a designated hitter in college? Yes. Then what about the minor leagues? <laughs> designated right? hitter. Right. So essentially now what baseball has become, you've gone through the entire and basically the entirety of your pitching career. And then you get up to the major leagues having never batted. Is that a good thing to do for pitchers? Matt, why don't you tell us that one? Uh, the short answer is no, because they are good at it anyway. They don't practice hitting. Occasionally they might practice bunting, but this is a conversation that, that dates back as far as the 1880s. Um, at that point, Pitchers started to specialize a little bit more. 
Um, the pitching angle, the arm angle had changed. Now you can throw overhand. Pitchers are throwing much harder. They're throwing breaking balls. So you have more pitchers on a roster uh, that are specialized. So the hitting for pitchers started to go down significantly at that point. Uh, and it's been a conversation ever since. Why do you have the player that's exerting themselves the most trying to hit when that's not their forte? Very, very interesting point. So the 1880s, is that what, did I hear you right? Yeah, the first time it really comes up in a in true discussion is 1886 when uh, one of the baseball magnates in the National League decided, hey, I'm going to propose this idea where catchers and pitchers get skipped in the batting order um, because they're doing the most workout on the field. They're chasing the ball around. Remember, the catching equipment's not that great. Uh, it's basically a bicycle glove that they have on, uh, the catcher. And the pitcher is throwing as hard as they can and moving around the field all the time. So you've got exhausted players in the middle of June and July in flannel, wool. Um, it's it's not good for their health. They're the most important people on the team, arguably. So they suggested, let's, let's not even replace them with another hitter. Let's just get around them in the order. Now, did they get the opportunity to try that anywhere along the way? Uh, it was actually brought up for vote at the 1892 winter meetings. It got shot down. Um, sporadically in the minor leagues, it came up a designated hitter far into the 20th century. We're the, talking into the 60s. The catcher thing's interesting to me. I mean, JT Real Muto is a stud, and he's electric right. out there defensively. What would it be like without him hitting? What would it be like without him running the bases? Would he even be that much better because he's not wasting as much energy hitting? I don't think I would like that, though, because that, that's the beauty right. of what he brings to the table. He can do both. It's just interesting to think the catcher wouldn't be able to produce offensively. Right. It's it's a fascinating thought to even think that that was even suggested, but it was. But here's the thing, though. How many catchers in this game today are actually offensive players? You know, JT Real Muto, of course, you know, the Phillies fans are spoiled to see him play all the time. And then yeah, and then you right. can go back to Mike Piazza. Like those are the great that we were talking about the greatest. But imagine them not being in the game. That would be a significant right. loss. Well, they're probably playing first base if that's the case, I would imagine, right? Or something else, or third base, right? Remember, remember when catchers used to play third base because of the uh, the arm was was strong enough to make the throws. Uh, but 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 really though, that that's uh, that's pretty fascinating that it goes back that far. Now um, there were a couple different waves along the way. So so Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about how the American League perhaps decided to go designated hitter first, and then maybe a little bit about how the National League thought at that time. So it's really driven by attendance numbers. Uh, American League uh, was was far behind the National League as far as attendance is concerned in the 60s. Of course, we've got the year of the pitcher in 1968 um, when you have Denny McClain winning 30 games. You have Bob Gibson's sub-2 ERA for the entire season and dominating hitters in the World Series. So – People wanted to see runs scored. That's the basis of baseball, right? The more runs you score, the better chance you have at winning. So the American League, because they trailed, they wanted to get more offense into the ballparks. Uh, and it was really supported by athletics owner Charlie Finley. And overall, American League owners voted for it, not unanimously, but it was pretty close. Um, the National League didn't care for it. They didn't have the attendance problem. Baseball was popular in the National League. and uh, what they end up deciding in 1973 is, listen, American League will allow you a three-year trial run uh, using the designated hitter. 
at which time in 1976, you'll get rid of it. And that's what happens. The trial run starts in 73 and the American league, uh, you know, tells, tells the national league in 76 to, to go pound sand. We're keeping the DH. So, and at that, at that time on the rule books, which it's still there, you can look up the major league rule book today for the designated hitter that, each league has the option to use a designated hitter. That's pretty interesting. So, but they have to decide collectively to do it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. So, so if the national league wants to do it, it's not like, you know, the Phillies can just say, Hey, we've got Alec Bohm. We want to put him in the lineup as a DH today. No, the whole league has to do it. So is so this that, something that you can do at the, it has to be talked about before each season occurs or could it be both before a game, but no one does that. No, it would have to be it would have to be a vote by the owners uh, at the winter meetings. Okay. Um, as far as the yearly thing, I never really thought about that. It the way the rule reads is it seems like that the American League could just say we don't want to do it this year, but there's no reason for them not to. And really, the MLB Players Association likes it a lot because essentially that's another starting job in the major league. So, so let's, let's take this up a little bit further. So there was some talk about the National League doing it over the time, uh, certain times in history. One of time it got pretty close. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what the National League thought at the time? Sure. Um, so what happens is, is uh, when the National League votes for this, uh, votes on this in the 1970s, it's a 10-2 vote, uh, 10, 10 owners against, 2-4. Uh, and it doesn't come up again until 1980. So in August of 1980, the National League meets in Detroit. And the two-day meeting really focused on the financial stability of, of all the clubs. But one of the things that comes up is the, the designated hitter. And what's interesting, I just found out about this this week, so that's why I started to dive headfirst into it. Um, Ruley Carpenter, the Phillies owner, directed Bill Giles, then vice president of the Phillies, to vote for the designated hitter. The reason is because they had Greg Luzinski and Keith Moreland, both of which were atrocious outfielders. If you remember 1977, sorry, sorry, fans, but 1977 Black Friday, um, Jerry Martin should have been out in left field. Greg Luzinski trapped the ball in the outfield and the Dodgers end up winning, winning the game and going to the world series eventually. So if you can put Luzinski or Moreland at the DH, that makes the Phillies even better. They had won hundred games in 77. So looking at this, getting more bats in the lineup and then allowing pitchers like Carlton, to focus just on pitching, not trying to get a bunt down with one out and two on or something like that. So what happens is, is Giles goes to the meetings, has his direction. Really Carpenter, meanwhile, uh, goes out on a fishing trip. And when the issue is brought up at the meeting in Detroit, it's mentioned that, that the rule would not go into effect until 1982. So this is August of 1980. It's not going to go in effect until 82. So obviously it makes Bill Giles think twice about it because who knows what's going to happen to Lezinski. Is Moreland going to pan out? He was a rookie in 77 or 78. He'd hit well in the minors, but who know what he could do in a full season. Um, so what Giles eventually did was he abstained from voting. But that's just one team. 
The other part of this is the Pirates uh, general manager was directed to vote with the Phillies. However the Phillies voted, that's how the Pirates were going to vote. Why is that? uh, Bill Giles mentioned in his uh, book, trying to pour six beers at one time, that uh, it was due to the interstate rivalry. Obviously, both are in the NL East at the time. I miss Um, that, by the way. Yeah, that would be fantastic if we could get that back. Um, but that, that's what it was, at least according to Bill Giles. And, uh, so when, when the Phillies abstained, the Pirates abstained and that threw what should have been two yes votes into an irrelevant column and the nose won with a five, four vote. Wow. So if Bill Giles had felt more confident that it was okay to do it, given the change circumstances, if he had called Ruley Carpenter and got a hold of Ruley Carpenter, then... There may have been a nationally designated hitter all this time. Yeah, or, no, that that is crazy. Go ahead. Or or if it happens, I don't know, twenty years later, because they called really a carpenter, but he was out on a boat on the ocean, couldn't get a hold of him. There's no cell phones, so can't get a hold of the guy. They abstained. Oh my, that's crazy. I was just. Don't you feel though it's inevitable at this point? Like it's going to happen. It's almost like it's it's obvious that it's going to happen. Or am I crazy? Am I crazy to think that? No, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's going to happen along with uh, robo umpires wow. and and things like that. That's that's an inevitability. But um, for example, looking at this, like I said earlier, the the goal of baseball is to score a lot of runs, and that brings people to the ballpark. The more runs you have, the uh, the better chance you have to win a game. So, right now, since 1973, the American League has scored 28,000 more runs than the National League. That is basically a two and a half year gap as far as runs are concerned. That's pretty fascinating. Now let's let's talk for a second then about what that rule did for the American League. You know, you think of some of the the big name designated hitters uh, over the years. Would they have ever had a shot in a National League team? Like, so does Edgar Martinez, for example, the great former third baseman of the Seattle Mariners. Does he still stay in baseball? Is he a pinch hitter? What What do you think he becomes? And, and are there other names that stick out to you, Matt, that, that really their careers were sort of transformed by having that rule? I mean, uh, David Ortiz is a big one, um, along with Edgar. Uh, one of the recent Hall of Fame inductees was uh, – oh, his name escapes me now – Harold Baines. He was, he was also one of the better ones. Frank Thomas, I think, eventually became a DH mm-hmm. later in his career. But the Phillies um, should have drafted ahead of Jeff Jackson, but that's another discussion. <laughs> that's another discussion for another day. So there are definitely hitters that would have survived longer in the National League had the DH been around. The numbers that you mentioned in terms of runs is crazy because Frank earlier talked about how maybe this would be exciting for young guys to watch the game, more home runs. And when you sit there and process it, yeah, I'm sure it does create more runs, but until you see the number laid out in a window like that, I mean, it's eye popping. I would think, of course, it happens. These pinch hitter or these DHs are going to have more hits than the pitchers out there. But to see then hear the numbers in that large of a window, it's crazy. It is way more than I would have expected. I, at first, when Frank said maybe it'll be more exciting, I thought, yeah, of course it'll be more exciting. But how much more? Are people really going to go to the ballpark more or be more engaged because of that one hitter in the lineup throughout the game a couple times? Yeah, maybe, but not that much until I heard those numbers. It also helps pace of play. Don't forget about that because the fewer pitching changes you have, the faster the game's going to go. So 
it, it's not an offensive situation. Should I or should I not pull the starter? It's it's totally agnostic. So you, you don't even have to worry about that anymore. So what would you say then if there had been a National League designated hitter this whole time? If you think about all those all those great names that, that you that you think about designated hitters. I mean, Dave Winfield, right? He had a lot of uh, success as a designated hitter. Yep. Um, uh, I, I could keep going on and on. I, I'm just trying to think back to my, my baseball cards as a kid. It's, uh, but, but there were a good number of them. Well, would there have actually been more power or would that have just leveled out over the two leagues? That's a great question. I would suggest it's going to be more power. Think about this. Why did Mike Schmidt retire? He said there was a game in San Francisco, I think. A ball went right between his legs, and he said he'd lost it. If he's not playing third base, he's going to be the DH. That's a what On that note, it's time for us to take a break. Matt, if you'll hang out with us for one more segment, uh, sure. I'd love to talk for a minute about how you envision the game right now if we go to a designated hitter. Because I will say I will never forget where I was when my next-door neighbor said to me, Mike Schmidt quit. And I said, what? Because I was I was a little kid who had loved Mike Schmidt. And uh, he was the person I looked up to most in the entire world. And, man, if he could have stuck around just a little bit longer, I, I, I think he was signed for what? Well, maybe you would know, Matt. One more year. I mean, I think he he, he walked away from uh, some some salary to go retire. And and who knows? Maybe Chris James could have played third base sooner and then been traded because he wasn't good at it. Uh, just a little bit ahead of of, of that. I'm picturing right. a young, sad Frank right now with his ice cream cone <laughs> at the ice cream truck. It's melting. He's got the card in one hand, and he's just sad. Disappointing Frank. Maybe a beer. I don't know. I mean, you're, you know, that's what you do now. So, Well, I, I, I was not drinking at seven years old or whatever it <laughs> hey, was. You never know. Happened. What was it? May of uh, 89. I, I was probably still... Uh, yeah, I was still seven years old. But it's time for a break. Here we're with Frank Close, Hunter Brody, hanging out with historical columnist Matt Albertson. We'll be back after this. And we're back with the latest edition of the Powder Blue podcast. And by the way, this is an appropriate name for this week because we're talking about some old school Phillies. Uh, just heading into the last break, we were talking about Mike Schmidt and Mike Schmidt wore those powder blues and maybe he could have been a designated hitter if the opportunity had existed back in 1989 when he finally hung up his spikes for the last time. So I'm Frank Close hanging out with Hunter Brody today and we have a special guest, Matt Albertson, who is a baseball historian and he's got his master's degree from Villanova University. So he is one who knows his history and uh, what I really liked about having you here, Matt, is, is you know, we can talk about the history of the designated hitter, but you're also very knowledgeable about the game today. So I, I thought what we could do for this next segment is talk a little bit about how that might transform the game today. Because if we had to go around the league, so let's think for a second, who are the big name straight designated hitters in the game of baseball today? Because, you know, what, when I think about it, there's very few specialized designated hitters anymore. It's almost like teams tend to use the position to sort of rest a couple guys, you know, like what? So, so if, if the Phillies all of a sudden got a designated hitter, it, it, I don't think it's necessarily as simple as just saying, Hey, Reese Hoskins, you're the designated hitter. Bring up Alec Bohm. Uh, is this a situation where JT real Muto moves around a little bit uh, where, uh, Reese Hoskins comes in and out of the field. So, Hunter, why don't we start with you there? Where do you see the Phillies 
going if the designated hitter becomes a National League reality? It's funny because initially, as soon as you said that, I thought exactly what you mentioned. Reese Hoskins, he's going to be the designated hitter. You bring up Alec Boehm, you let him play. But the the more you you probably take a step back and, and analyze it, with the way baseball is these days, with the way analytics is involved, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. It's not how it's going to be. JT Real Muto last year, I, I, if I remember correctly, there was a time where he played first base to stay in the lineup on a day, wasn't there? He did. He did not want to be the designated hitter. Right, exactly. So, and I think you nailed it with that. I, I think it would be utilized, especially with someone like Joe Girardi. Now, I, I will say this. If Because it's Joe Girardi, if he was to make those moves, I would love it. I would appreciate it. I would totally be happy with it because I trust him. If Gabe Kapler would have made the same exact moves, I probably would have been pissed off screaming at my television. It just depends on who's making the call. Even if it's the same exact move, I would have been thought about it differently. But I do think that you'd be getting different guys on different nights just to give players rest throughout the long season. So, Matt, what about you? What do you think about that? Do you think there would be some... What, or let me ask you this two-part question. One, can you think of many dedicated designated hitters in today's game? And then beyond that, would anybody be this time around if the National League all of a sudden had an extra 15 spots to be designated hitters? Uh, it's it's not like it was like 10 or 15 years ago when there were a couple of guys in the American League who were just bona fide DHs. That's what they were. That's what they needed to be. The The most the unique one that really comes to mind is Shoei Otani, yeah. um, who it's mm. ironic because he's a, you know, a pitcher, but he's got the bat that you want him in the lineup. It's, it's kind of a flipped on its head. But if, if I'm looking at the Phillies per se, um, if it were in the league this year, let's say in, in the winter meetings uh, last year, National League votes in the, the DH um, with the coronavirus going on, you're going to have Andrew McCutcheon back in left field probably. So you have an option of Jay Bruce. Do you even worry about calling up Alec Bohm then? Um, is there a situation where Scott Kimmerer all of a sudden becomes a designated hitter for some random reason? I feel like he'd be um, the guy, not to cut you off, but he'd be the guy that fills in for whoever's DHing just because yep. he can play so many positions. Right. It's th- They have options that would work there traditionally. So, I, you know, I actually, I just kind of went through. I had to look it up. I'll be honest with you. Like, I found some fantasy baseball rankings of the best designated hitters in 2020. There's one name on the list that's a designated hitter, period, and that's Nelson Cruz of the huh. Minnesota Twins. That's interesting. Beyond that, can you call anybody? Now, I, I think J.D. Martinez in Boston was, but reluctantly, he didn't want to be a DH. He wanted to play in the field. In fact, now that Mookie Betts is gone, I don't know. Maybe he'll play in the field. But Carl Stanton? Yes. But again, he wants to play. If he could stay the, healthy. He, yeah, he wanted to play the outfield. So, I mean, right. is necessarily having a designated hitter to exist just for the purpose of trying to keep some players healthy even worth it? Yeah, I, I think I think so. I think that's a, a valid thing. I mentioned analytics, and I feel like analytics would prove or at least it, it will help not describe, but it would. I will just say it, it will prove that it probably will help keep people healthy and that's a big part of this game you want to do what's best for the players you want to keep them out there on the field we talk about selling tickets keeping people involved having them watch the game due to excitement well the best players are the exciting players so keeping them out on the field is important I do want to touch on one thing though not to get too sidetracked but Otani is very interesting and we talk about how the DH is going to change the game and it'll change the whole National League 
Is that something that's starting to creep into the game where it will one day be, for example, if the if the if the NL goes to the DH this year, thirty years from now, it will just be normal, and it would be weird to think it was never a thing. Will that happen with? pitchers being hitters eventually will that just be normal and it wouldn't be weird to have an Otani well how many actually get to hit like that actually can hit you know I, I, I mean what do you say that I, I'm starting to hear more not that I'm, I'm super heavy invested into every MLB team's organization when it comes to prospects but the more I hear about some of these players throughout the whole MLB and their prospect pool there are more that can do it than there ever was I'd say well you know back Back when I graduated high school, I graduated high school in 1999. And that year, the Phillies drafted a pitcher out of high school named Brent Myers. So he's like my age. And when he got drafted by the Phillies, he basically said, look, well, I pitch, but I also play first base when I'm not pitching. But as I sort of established in the first segment, they don't do that anymore. Like, I don't think they'd ever even let Brent Myers hit if, if, if that was somebody being drafted today. Now, of course, he never did hit in the major leagues, except for that of course, uh, uh, at one at bat in the playoffs that will live forever, right? <laughs> but um, but Brett Myers, he may have never swung the bat in high school under the current situation. So where is going to be the opportunity for an Otani to even develop? I mean, it's it's one, not, and I'm not that familiar with Japanese baseball, but maybe he had a different upbringing there. But it seems like American baseball has killed the designated hitter all the way through to the point where when we go to these minor league games and watch the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs and the Reading Fighting Phils, they're not they they don't have a pitcher batting. So I just can't see how that would happen unless you know there's this random rare person. Uh, but but even now, let's let, let's be honest. I'll ask you this, Matt. Madison Bumgarner is generally seen as the best hitting pitcher in baseball. He can't crack a game to, to like they've never really. I think I remember once like they were playing in an American League park and they just left him to hit ninth. Uh, you know, um, I, I think Bruce Bochy did that one time and it was, it was kind of a thing. And then he never did it again. So how do you even come up with another Otani? Um, I will say this, that I don't even think Japan's highest major league allows the, the, the pitcher to bat. I think it's a lower league that, that allows them to bat. It's, it's major league baseball, the American national league, and then one league in Japan, not all leagues. So, Otani is simply a unique, against the grain, totally random happening occurrence in in the baseball world. Um, if it were to happen more often, I think it already would have. What's to prevent it from happening? I mean, you, you hear about a lot of uh, position players who pitched in high school. Um, is it because, or even in college? For example, Adam Hazley pitched in, at, at UVA, mm. and he did it pretty well. So um, obviously not good enough. So it, the, to be exceptional at both pitching and batting, something I don't think we'll be see very often. That That's true. I guess the answer to that is no, it, it won't. That was a stupid thing to bring up, Broads. But you left the door open for me to rip <laughs> Gabe Kapler. There was a time last year where he puts in Roman Quinn to pitch instead of Adam Hazley. Put in Adam Hazley. I mean, that's not the difference in winning the game, but at least give me some entertainment. If there's a, <laughs> If there's a moment for me to slip in some Gabe Kapler hate, I will do it. 
So we always in left field that night, and it was really entertaining to see Vince Velasquez field the outfield. That was a good I mean, play. That, that was a good time. That was a great play that he had. That cannon to home, is that the play you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> he had two of them. He, he nearly threw out one runner and then and then and chucked it in another time in a close play. So do I have to credit Gabe for putting him out in left field for that one? Or how does that well, sound? He's, he's the most athletic guy on the team all around, I would say. So but but let me ask you this. All right. So all of a sudden, if we go to the, the, the two league designated hitter, that means you need 15 more starters out of all of Major League Baseball. So if you if you need to add 15, more, now think about it for a second. What are most of the team's best utility players doing right now? Best bench players. So I guess for the Phillies, you could say, well, Jay Bruce is kind of that guy that's not a starter anymore, but probably could hang on longer, maybe. But Think back and think back in history. Think back of other teams. Like, are you, are you going to have a utility infielder starting every single game just because you want to go to? Des- is that actually good for the game if you have that many designated hitter spots, Matt? Uh, short answer for the game of baseball, I would say yes, because even a sub two war player, uh, a utility player, is going to be better at the bat more often on average than a pitcher will be. Occasionally Aaron Nola is going to get a bleeder. Joe Bland's going to hit a, a home run in the world series. It's going to be random, but it's going to be more often than not that even I'm not know, uh, a Jesmuel Valentin gets a couple of knocks in May. Something Who, by like the that. way is, has agreed to come on a future episode of the powder blue podcast. So I'm looking forward to chatting with him. Anyway, continue. Oh, that, that was the end of the thought right there. I think, <laughs> I think overall it's, it, even if it's just a, a an average player, it's going to benefit the game. By the way, Valentin may be listening to this program because out of the blue, he followed me on Twitter the other day, and I don't know why. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's not uh, Ervin Santana who follows everybody, or, or, or Tony, uh, who was it? Not Tony Batista. Um, who was the other one? Oh, Jose Bautista. That's Jose right. What am I talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, there's a couple that follow, you know, their, their social media guy follows everybody and builds up like audiences of 50,000 people. Um, but at any rate, uh, but, but, you know, I, I just, I guess that's a good point that, that you're going to see more off offense out of that. But um, if, if you're the, if I don't, I don't know, Hunter, t- talk me off the lay. I was never, you know, I, I'm kind of gravitating back towards, I don't want the DH since we've been talking about it. I started this show thinking that, you know what, I, it's, it's inevitable. They don't play it at all the other levels of the, of the, of the game. And I think it's just time that, that the, it's inevitable, but now I'm hearing all this and I don't really like it. What do you say about that, Hunter? I feel we're all in the same boat right now. We don't want it to happen deep down because we enjoy the strategy part of it. It's the sixth inning. There's two outs. Your pitcher's close to 90 pitches. Like, What are you going to do here? Whatever the case may be. There's so many situations that can go down where part of that is great. And I think the, the one thing that was brought up during the history part of it was always the World Series. So it's awesome in that specific moment because it's such a rare time for these AL teams that have to play in the NL and it just it, it totally makes it unique and so different than other sports so the world series part of it is awesome we love it but we know deep down also that it's going to happen so it's almost like we are convincing ourselves and preparing our bodies and minds to go through with it because it's going to happen anyway. So we're kind of getting screwed up in the head and we're getting brainwashed into thinking, hey, let's just do it. Well, our segment is just about over. I just want to say one more thing before it's time to go. Could you imagine Ryan Howard and Jim Tomey 
on the Philadelphia Phillies in 2006. Yes. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm <laughs> yeah, floating yes. back that way, but uh, maybe someday that'll happen again and the Phillies will be able to better handle having both of them at the same time. So our segment is just about close. Matt Albertson, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for thanks for having me. I really appreciate the discussion. And all the best to you and your upcoming delivery. And, and we hope that your family is safe in the hospital during this tough time. And uh, we hope to talk to you again when you're done changing some diapers. Sounds good to me. I appreciate it. And we'll be back after this. Frank Close along with Hunter Brody. We were joined by Matt Albertson. We'll catch you after this. And we are back with the latest edition, the latest COVID-19 break hiatus. What do we want to call this, Hunter? I don't know. I don't want to relate it to coronavirus, (laughs) though, because it's sad. But, you know, the nice thing is, even in the midst of all this, we get to talk baseball, right, Hunter? We do. We And it's funny, at 4 o'clock, we got the group chat going off. What are we going to talk about? I want to talk baseball. Oh, I don't know. There's no baseball. And then guess what? You sit down, you hit the record button, and then baseball just flows. It just happens. That's the beauty of it. We we will find conversation no matter what is going on. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, too. Like, Matt Albertson, you know, if, if we're at a point like this where we need to think about the history of baseball, he's my guy. He, he's a histor- historical ace, I should say. You know, I... I probably should have pumped up his Twitter handle. Wouldn't that be the nice thing for, <laughs> for me to do? Yes. And I didn't do it. So, but listen, MD Albert 88, follow him on Twitter. Again, that's at MD Albert 88. Very grateful to Matt Albertson talking history with us. And after he welcomes a new child, I, I, I love to have him again. Cause he's, he's, he knows his baseball history. Now, what if so, his child came out and instantly knew everything about baseball <laughs> two seconds after the baby came out like it starts pouring out baseball encyclopedia stuff instantly. It would not shock me, right? You know, he's got he's got a he's got a smart daddy. I mean, you got an MA in history from Villanova, right? I mean, that's that that means he's probably pretty smart. I would think, right? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, not a whole lot of news going on, but you did get a couple injury updates, and I really want to talk about those. The first one is is. Kind of what we thought might be the case, but we did hear from Andrew McCutcheon, and Andrew McCutcheon said that when the season starts now, he will be ready. What do you think of that an, an impact that will be for the Phillies to have Andrew McCutcheon opening day, Hunter? Huge impact. If, if you date it back to last season, what he was when he was healthy compared to what the team was when he wasn't, it's pretty obvious how important he was. One key thing you said there, though, was for opening day, and if you meant this season, I am I am personally at the point where I don't want to hold on to thinking this is, let's say it this way, until there's something that really shows me that we will have sports soon, until that's right in front of my eyes, I'm not going to believe it. So in my head, there's no sports coming back. I'm even at the point of football. I'm at the point of baseball. I know basketball and hockey are going to be done. I just feel it in my gut. I don't know if there is going to be baseball this season. Is that bad to say? But that's where I'm at. I, I'm I'm still kind of optimistic. You know, I, I, I a forty I, game obvious, season, a fifty game season, maybe it will. I don't think it's going to be a one hundred game season. It, if it's going to be anything, it might be one of those really weird, odd short season where you where you bring up the record books and you say, "Whoa, a forty game regular season." It might be to that point. I think they can hit a hundred. You know, if 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 I'm looking at the projection, you know, of course, because we have nothing to do but watch TV, right, and and listen to to sports talk. Talk, right. But 
Um, looking at how these projections go, it seems like it'll be a lot leveled off by July, like July 1st, at least according to some of the projections, we'll be in the clear. Hopefully that means we can resume life. And if you, you know, if you average 30 games, July, August, September, October, you don't need to average 30, right? So you could start in July at some point and get to the end of September and, you know, July, August, September into October. I think you could, you could, you could get around to around a hundred, maybe not a hundred, maybe 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 81. Maybe okay. you just cut it in half. I, I guess mean, I... this is my mentality with it. I don't want to get my hopes up. So I am telling myself it's going to be so bad that if we do get an 80-game season, if we do get a 90-game season, I'm stoked instead of hoping that it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, then I'm really disappointed. Well, I, I think that keeping an eye on the future, thinking about the things we'll get to do once it happens. I think that's good. I think that'll help keep us motivated. And, and I don't know if I knew there was going to be a baseball season, I think this would be much harder. So <laughs> I, I ho- hopefully we will get to see that. And I look forward to Andrew McCutcheon being there opening day, whenever yes. that is, if it's July 4th, if it's July 15th, Andrew McCutcheon should be ready. And by the way, just a quick side note. I know he's, he's not one of ours anymore, but Cole Hamels now also expects to make opening day as of right now. So the word out of Atlanta was Cole Hamels might be ready to start this season, even though he had uh, an injury. Now, one guy that will not be ready to start this season is Sir Anthony Dominguez. Now, right as we were recording last week, we got the word that the doctors recommended that Sir Anthony Dominguez get Tommy John surgery. Now, one of the things we heard during this week was not that he was going to get Tommy John surgery, is that he'll decide when baseball resumes if he will get Tommy John surgery. What do you think about that, Hunter? That's disgusting to me. It's disgusting. This is the perfect time. The perfect time to just get it done. We just witnessed a time where we knew he was going to need it, and they decided to not do it. They hoped that it would work out like it did with the Yankees. It seemed to never... No one works out like it did with the Yankees. That was the one-time thing. We talked about Otani being a one-time thing. That's what happened with the Yankees. Get it done. There is no reason to play this game. This is a very weird time for the world. Get it done now. There is no reason to hold off and think it's going to get better magically. It needs to happen. It's inevitable. Do it. Yeah, and certainly, you know, Masahiro Tanaka was was really the only name I can think of where somebody successively warded off having Tommy John surgery. So, but we'll see. I mean, who knows how long Tanaka is in the clear? But, um, but Sir Anthony Dominguez, I, well, you know, even I, if he not to cut you off, but even if he did at this point get hurt, Tanaka, you would still say that it was successful based off of how long mm-hmm. it's been since it actually went down. And honestly, with all the injuries the Yankees had and the pitching side of things, you know, they better hope that it actually did did work because if if uh, they could have warded it off sooner, who knows? Maybe they feel better about next year. But from my my perspective is if he waits until, Ju- let's say, June, like then you're looking at like midseason next year that Dominguez could come back. Whereas you know, the sooner you do it this year, there's the chance of starting the season next year. So, I, I mean, I get for him that he's – Perhaps he's probably a little scared. Let's be honest, right? Never had surgery before. Like I've never had a major surgery, so like I, I you know I, I'm sure if they cut me open to do anything, I would be nervous about it. But um, I remember Donovan McNabb back in the day talking about being nervous when I think it was a hernia surgery or something that he had the first time. But you know, it seems like he could do his career a better service by 
by getting this out of the way, because let's face it, this is a routine surgery. Is it wrong of me to call that a routine surgery at this point? I don't think it's wrong at all. I feel like if you don't have Tommy John at this point, at, not just saying at this point in his career, at this point in baseball, you're talking about college pitchers. So I feel like there's actually conversations about people preferring to get it done. So then it's already done and they don't have to worry about it. Yeah, let's get it done at 18, 19. Let's find a way to get it done. Not actually physically go out there to yeah. try and do it. But it is a conversation with baseball pitchers. Maybe the sooner you get it done, the better. It, it's, it is routine and you got to put your... Here's the thing. You lay it out, right? Here's the blueprint. And and you, you have option A, option B. Option A is you're afraid to get it. You don't get it. Well, what are you going to do? You're not even going to be available to play or you're afraid, but you got to get it done. Listen, they knock you out. You don't even know what happened. Boom, you wake up. You start the rehab process. You're good to go. You don't even remember what happened. <laughs> no? Am I? Am I? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I've been through some stuff, right? I mean, come on. I've been knocked out a few times. They start talking to you. Before you know it, you're asleep. They count you down, and then you don't even remember what happened. You wake well, up doc- and say goofy stuff. Dr. Brody, though, is not making the decision, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see where that goes. So let's talk about something positive, right? Because that one's a little bit of a downer to talk about. Bryce Harper has some encouraging words for those worried about JT Real Muto. Now, last time we, we talked – there was a little bit of unrest, you know, that the Phillies can't negotiate with JT Real Muto during this hiatus. And so is that something to be nervous about? We were kind of asking that question last week. So why don't you clue us into what Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer had to say? Yeah, originally, uh, ironically, I was the one that was upset with the Phillies last episode because my gut told me, and it still kind of does, although this makes it a little bit better, tells me that they're going to wait for free agency to happen, they're going to allow him to test the market, and I feel like that is the bad move. But Matt Breen has here on his Twitter, this is a quote from Bryce Harper, I don't think anybody should fear us not getting JT back. Now, that That is definitely promising to hear the superstar guy, the franchise guy, saying, listen, this guy will be here. There should be no fear. It's calming. It is. It's like when you take that nice sip of IPA you got over there and the chills. You know, this, you feel- is, this is a Broken Goblet Carl the Great. Oh, well, this is this is a Russian me. Imperial style. Broken Goblet is my go-to beer. Whoa, excuse and, me. Uh, excuse no, me. This is, this, this is no IPA. I will not. No. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta correct you. Besides, can't you see the color? This is not an IPA. Do you know anything about beer? I mean, are you old enough to drink? First off, the way I have this all displayed, with all due respect, I'm not really <laughs> looking at the screen that has you on it because there's so much going up. So, listen. Normally, though, you got an IPA in there. Am I wrong? You have such a variety of different beers. I feel like normally when we sit down to record these, you got an IPA in there. No, this is this is a soda, right? I, this is a what Diet Pepsi Max or whatever they call the thing, right? So, well, to relate this back to Bryce Harper, real quick, we would never actually drink it's, beer on the air, right? So, yeah, of course not, right? That's against the law. Anyway, when you get you take that sip of IPA and it gets you, it gives you the chills, it gives you the goosebumps, the good goosebumps. That's what it's like hearing the words of Bryce Harper saying, "There is no fear." Well, I will say that's, you know, I mean, let's face it. Bryce Harper is the leader of the team, right? I mean, quickly he became the leader of the team. And when he says something, it seems to matter. And I don't know, maybe he's clued into something. Is that a possibility? Like, you know, it sounds like the two of them are really, really good friends. And even though back in the day they were, they were National League East rivals and, um, you know, there were, there was stuff out there about Is that Harper. really a rivalry? Well, yeah, let's face it. Yeah, Marlins. Okay, well, I got your point there, but. 
they used to play each other a lot and they all heard the things about each other. And let's face it, things weren't always flattering about Bryce Harper, but it sounds like the two of them became really good friends. So is he onto something, do you think, or is he just trying to be a leader and get everybody not to worry? Well, I don't know if he's onto something as if he knows something. I take this more, he's making sure Matt McClintock gets it done. As if he's saying, hey, don't fear. It's going to happen. So now Matt Clintack feels the pressure of the superstar. I don't think it's him being told something from the organization. This is more him forcing the hand. Very similar to what Joel Embiid did to Joshua Harris. He did the AI step over. And he stepped over <laughs> the boss, the, the businessman, to make sure that all these people get financial support with COVID. Same exact thing is happening here with Bryce Harper. That's at least how I am seeing this. And in closing, since we're out of time, and yes, Bryce and his wife, Kayla, they announced $500,000 they're donating to fight COVID-19. And I know fans were very, very grateful for those efforts. But we're out of time. So uh, for Frank Close, Hunter Brody, and Matt Albertson, who we appreciate joining us today, this is the Powder Blue Podcast, and we will catch you next time.